back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of The Overlap. <laughs> Following what can only be described as a mundane, mediocre, and quite frankly, just a shit show of a weekend in England, um, some ACLs were torn, others were, were kept, um, and of course, Chelsea and Tottenham rue the day. So... To break it down for all of you guys today, we wanted to bring in a friend of ours and talk a little bit first about the Maryside Derby. And I, Rian, I, I told you I've been I've been saying Derby now. I I got rid of the whole Derby thing. It's not a Derby. It's a Derby. I I that's the only thing I'll ever agree with you on. But I'll give you that. Um, it, I mean, it took you long enough, honestly. It, it took, took you literally like a, a year, literally a year to figure yeah, it out. I, but, but I'm proud of you. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. But yeah. Brian, uh, so we watched this game, and um, well, actually, we, what do we watch? We watch Arsenal and City together. Yeah, Everton Liverpool is too early in the morning to get up and go anywhere. But Brian, let's talk, let's talk about this game, um, and let's of course introduce our, our fine guest. So I'm going to toss it over to you and see what you got. I know. Yeah. So before we start off, I wanted to introduce. Our friend Ajani, who is possibly the only Everton diehard Everton fan that I know, and as soon as they started the season, well, I remember I texted him to say like I'm really happy for you, bro. Like I'm really, really proud, <laughs> really, really happy that you got something to cheer about this year for Everton. So like just starting there, Ajani, it's only been like five games, but describe your feelings around Everton right now. Uh, I guess hold the applause. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Everton. I mean, they're they're looking good. Like over over these uh, last few years, I've heard like I've been feeling that I don't know. The optimism has definitely not been at its highest, and uh, so just to with with Ancelotti in with a with with uh, with a with an actual preseason, you could say. Um, Coming in top of the league, I guess. Definitely not used to this at all. Um, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I definitely have my. Uh, I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sold yet. Uh, I know that we're definitely uh, a tier off like these top teams, even though we had the the tie uh, this past weekend. But um, uh, I would say de- definitely good performances, and I can't can't be can't be mad. But there's definitely more more to go. But uh, ha- happy to watch them succeed right now. Wow, so so tempered. Wow, that's that's really level headed for you. <laughs> you have you have to be. You can't get carried away. You can't get carried away. I don't know, man. This could be the year. I mean, if Lester could do it a few years ago, this is. Then who yeah, knows, I, 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 I can see that. I, I'm, I'm just worried about their depth. I'm worried about depth. <laughs> right. I feel like they, they lack the depth uh, of, of other teams. Like we have what Richarlison got the red card. So you have a Wobi coming off the bench. I'm not sold on a Wobi. Uh, wow. I don't know. We, we got Bernard. It, it just it, we don't we don't really match up to to a top of the level, uh, top of the league teams. But you, you never know. We we got. A lot of league to go. People could prove us wrong. I mean, I I didn't think we'd be here right now, so that says a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, well, you deserve it after the last few years. Just about I'll, any I'll possible, <laughs> every possible way to lose a game. It seems like Everton found a way to do it. But you talked about possibly not being quite on the level as the other big teams, and 
Definitely in one position, I think we can point out very easily, which is the goalkeeper. And I guess that's where we can start from Saturday. (laughs) I mean, Elias, did you know that we can't give red cards if there's an offside anymore? Like, can you explain to me why? I guess, explain to me why Jordan Pickford stayed on the field. Like I have no, I have no real reason. I have no real <laughs> explanation. I mean, the explanation is unfortunately valid um, by the rules of the game. So the rules of the game basically state, right. That the play is dead after, um, you know, a run of play is complete judged by an offside call, a goal, a foul, whatever. Um, so yeah, it, it, by the rule of the game, he, he just wasn't sent off. Um, which is funny because you always see like, I, I don't know, like off the ball incidents, right. Or like things like that, where it has nothing to do with the run of play, but players still get carded or sent off. Um, this was, I, I guess in the referee's mind, in their eyes, in the player's eyes, still in the run of play. So I'm not going to give a red card, but like for something that reckless, you have to, you have to say something like clearly clearly that was a red card challenge at any other time literally at any other time in the game so if you're an everton fan i don't know how you i just don't know how you justify this you can't you can't justify it i'm just saying should, should i justify it or oh i mean <laughs> if you have a justification uh no i i do not have a justification all right there we go um, <laughs> i guess my justification is the reality that that we live in right now is that um, there wasn't a red card, so there's no justification. It's just laying out the terms that <laughs> I, just, I just laid out. I just wow. laid out reality. Wow! Yeah, that, wow! Yeah. <laughs> it is what it is. Basically, <laughs> it, 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 really, it really is what it is. But I, I, I apart from the actual uh, event of the like of the foul, I think that the I feel like there's a lot of um, I think the uproar around this uh, particular injury is definitely more than usual. I guess just because of the caliber of the player. Uh, I guess Van Dyke and, and and the team itself, Liverpool, being defending champions. But I mean, like, I feel like if it was any other player, we wouldn't be getting so much so much press about this particular foul and uh, shouldn't have been uh, shouldn't have been a red. I feel like. Definitely a, a lot of uh, attention, uh, which is, uh, I guess, biased, you could say, um, or just, yeah, I guess biased. Um, I, yeah. I would say that. Yeah, I would I would say it is definitely biased because yeah. if it was any other player, that would 100% be a red card. That, I mean, that challenge was just, it was woeful. Like, it was like, oh, my God, it just we didn't even know the extent of the injury at the time but just like cleats up just no care for where the ball was that was Jordan Pickford at his finest by the way that is that is oh that was the best part the game the game as a whole that was Jordan Pickford to a T he made some great saves and was as spastic as ever and just this time he actually got someone injured for it but like Johnny said, it is what it is now because you know the English FA have said that they're not going to go back and give a retrospective ban. 
Um, and they're standing firm on that. So Pickford seems like he's going to get away pretty clean off of this. And Van Dyke being out for what is most likely going to be the rest of the season with the torn ACL. And if we look even further ahead, really good chance that he misses out on the Euros too for the Netherlands. But outside of the controversy, Johnny, the Liverpool games have been really tough the last few years, especially in the cruel, a lot of them end very cruel ways. And one of them chiefly being Jordan Pickford's uh, double doink of sorts onto, onto the crossbar a couple of years, a few years ago. Oh man. Yeah. Can't forget that. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. What did this game, a game that you guys seem way, Everton seemed far more competitive in than I can remember in the last few Merseyside derbies. Uh, what did you learn for, about Everton that I think that are from this Everton team? What do you learn about them from that result? Uh, I, I think uh, from this result and just from our run of results throughout the throughout the season, um, like starting from the beginning of the league against Tottenham, um, I want to say just the transfers, the transfers that were made to uh, re- kind of revamp the midfield were essential in our form now. Um, that midfield of what Alon, Decore, and whether it's Gomez, Sigurdsson coming in or wh- whoever it is, just pure ball handlers kind of give us the leeway to for our outside mi- uh, backs to get forward, and um, also having Richarlison and James is a huge plus. Um, so it, I feel like that midfield allows allows the our game to kind of evolve. Um, and so usually during these games, you would, um, even like we saw it uh, on Saturday, whereas like Liverpool would be pressing us and we would usually just break, like due to that pressure. But uh, due to, I, I, I say due to the midfield, it allowed us to kind of relieve some of that pressure sometimes by just holding the ball and just pinging it around and just having that ability to kind of, take cool, cool the game down a little bit. Um, and I just want to say going back to this foul now, um, <laughs> I, there's a lot of slander on, on Pickford. Um, he, he does, he has made his, his fair share of, his, of mistakes and I like statistically more so than any other English like goalkeeper that's being targeted by Southgate. Like he definitely has the most mistakes that leads to goals, but I would say the the actual event with Van Dyke, it was an honest attempt at getting the ball, which he completely fumbled. But I, I, I guess I guess that's the that's the um, that's the reason maybe that he wasn't targeted by the FA um, was due to his. I, although it was definitely endangering the player, it wasn't with malice. I guess. I think, it's, I, I, I think we could agree it wasn't. I don't think he was targeting Van Dyke, but uh, it's just no replay makes it look any better. So, uh, yeah, yeah. True, true, true. <laughs> All right. Well, this well, this was a great result. Like like you said, looking back historically against against uh, Liverpool, and now like you said, there's a good foundation in this team, especially through that midfield. You know, anytime that you don't have to play Tom Davies in every single game and start him in every game. He, he seems like a much more effective player now playing, playing with Allen and, and, um, and Decore. So 
great foundation for the team. And now with your with your level headedness before we let you go, what do you put as the expectations for this Everton team now? I I, I would also be curious what were your expectations going into the season, but what is it now? Uh so going into the season, um expectations are definitely to improve off of last season. So like bottom half of the table is unacceptable. Um but now with Ancelotti, I was definitely looking for some type of European play, ideally. Um, I was expecting maybe Europa League, um, which still is definitely an option right now based on the standings. But um, I'm not sure if we can hold it just based on of, based off of um, lack of depth, I feel like, especially during the holiday season when the games fixtures kind of get a little more crowded um especially like given this past game with Charleston with the red card and we have a couple of players out already um but I feel like maybe if we get a couple transfers in on on uh, January to kind of sure up the bench a little bit provide a little more depth maybe we can hold this form a little bit and uh who knows maybe you could pull off and pull off an upset, uh, cop a top four spot. Who knows? All right. So uh, I, I think I'm, I might be more optimistic than you considering I, I think before the season when Elias and I did our previews, I have you guys are like the, as like a dark horse to get into the, into the top four there. And now you know, two things that I think are really on your side here is that with the Champions League coming back, now that they're not doing Champions League games every two weeks, now it's every week. I mean, I, I think the depth thing is something to be slightly worried about, but I think the big clubs are going to have a lot of trouble with that <laughs> routinely playing point, three, yeah. games, three games a week for uh, for from now until what, basically the end of November, right, Elias? I think like, for like the next six weeks, pretty much. Basically, yeah. Yeah, and then and like you said, in January, you know, I think you guys will still be in and around top four. I expect you guys to still be in and around top four. And, Get some reinforcements in, and I don't know. It's really up for grabs this season. The, the, yeah, definitely. Every, everything's up for grabs. Like no one seems that great. <laughs> so I think I think third and fourth place are pretty much up for grabs. Hopefully, I mean, right now, I, I guess Everton's a team that's that's that great right now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But o- only one way to go though is, is down. So I guess that, <laughs> that's where my pessimist pessimism lies uh but uh ho- hopefully we can kind of maintain wow. the ship everton has truly hurt you <laughs> I oh can... yeah yeah uh, absolutely, <laughs> trauma absolutely. Is, you would refuse to believe <laughs> no 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 <laughs> all right well, well johnny thank you for coming on dude i'm i hope that we'll have you on again later in the season as as everton stay in that top four race Honestly, oh, absolutely. Even if they go up or down, yeah, come, come back and we'll we'll talk about how you're feeling. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll definitely come back after after they win the league. And uh, <laughs> I guess I, if I can give one shout-out, I'm going to shout-out my boy Finn. Uh, Villa looking good this, 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 this past couple games. I mean, this, this uh, yeah, this league, um, some good results. So shout-out. Shout-out <laughs> Villa and Finn. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Thank you, man, for coming on. Appreciate it as always. Good luck to Everton. And uh, we'll be moving on to a little Tottenham and Chelsea right after this.
Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. After a very interesting conversation with Ajani, we're uh, we're back to switch over away from Liverpool and Everton. We're going to focus a little bit more on the other crappy teams in England this season, Tottenham and Chelsea. And, of course, both of those teams, in very different fashions, I should say, tying 3-3 on their completely own accords. And um, I know I know, Rian was upset. Uh, about the Chelsea performance for obvious reasons. Um, I know that he was also laughing at Spurs. But really, which tie is worse? That's really what we want to talk about. So, Rian, we were together for, for most of uh, Sunday watching some some football, or Saturday. God, the days are escaping me. But, uh, w- yeah, which which tie is worse? Obviously, two very different fashions, two very different games. Yeah, and so... <laughs> Just to start with with the Tottenham West Ham game, Tottenham who after fifteen minutes are three 0 up and Harry Kane two goals and one assist in those first fifteen minutes, bringing his goal contributions tally to twelve, five goals, seven assists after the first five games, which is a Premier League record. The Tottenham are flying, and like the plan, the exact way that you would expect. A Jose Mourinho team at its best to operate where it's all about the, the attackers up top in terms of how they're going to score goals. And I mean, Son and Kane right now, that is probably the most lethal duo in Europe right now. I mean, I mean, it's just on pure on empirical evidence, like Son is tied for first in goals this season and Harry Kane is leading in assists in the Premier League and has contributed the most goals of any player um, in Europe at, at the moment too. So it was about as high as it could get for like a, for how a Mourinho game plan works, right? Counter quick transitions and rely on the lethal finishers that you have up top and, and Tottenham have two extremely lethal finishers up top right now. The second half was also, unfortunately, the other side of a Mourinho team that is leading a game where they drop off and allow the pressure to come on to them. And within the first 10 minutes of the second half against West Ham, West Ham had five shots on target. (laughs) Sorry, not on target. Five shots in general to Tottenham's one. And that would kind of be how the rest of that second half goes where Credit to West Ham, who didn't completely open up and leave themselves totally exposed for for more counterattacks from Tottenham. They just kind of kept going at it, and once they got the first goal from Balbuena on the on a free kick, which you, know, you would expect a Mourinho team to deal with in a much better way, and then their own goal from Davidson Sanchez who it was at that moment when I was about to leave my apartment and that goal goes in and I was like, Oh my God, wait, actually there's no way they're going to blow. <laughs> I was like, there's no way. Um, and, and then I mean, the, the, the hats off to Manuel Lanzini. It's already going to be one of the three best goals in the Premier league all season. It's might end up being the best individual goal that we see this season um, uh, outside of maybe someone's amazing dribbling run, but 
I mean, I, when Lanzini hit that and it went in, I, I've never yelled, oh, my God, so, so loud in my own apartment yet. Okay. So it was, it was, I mean, it was one of the best strikes you'll ever see in your life. And that, I think Tottenham's game was everything that we love about this, about this sport, really. Right. A, a team that with 10 minutes left, seemingly completely dead. And the one kind of thing, the one thing that allows them to get any sort of result from the game is just a moment of pure brilliance. Right. And so I, it's a concern for sure, but Elias, how concerned should we be about the Tottenham result first before we get on to Chelsea's? Yeah. So, I mean, th- this was in every sense of the word, a complete bottle job, right? Like this is the definition of how to throw away a game. And trust me, I've seen my team throw away a fair share of games, so I know exactly what I'm talking about. So to see Tottenham do this, it, it, it was so hard to watch those last 10 minutes, mainly because of how well they did in the first half. It's one thing to say that they were on the back foot for a large part of the game and they managed to get a couple of you know quick goals on the counterattack, and that's individual brilliance. But this was, this was a Tottenham team that looked really strong in the first half and really could have – it could have been worse than 3-0 in the first half. And for them to turn around the way they did and, oh, the sweet, sweet narrative of Gareth Bale coming on in around the 80th minute just to throw that away just adds the cherry on top. But for them to do it in a way where all they had to do was defend compactly, which is something that a Mourinho team should know how to do, is just so shocking. And there is nothing they could have done about that third goal. Honestly, nothing they could have done. But the fact that they were in a position where they had let in two goals in the span of five minutes is is just a terrible look for them. So I'll answer the question of which tie is more concerning. But obviously, this is just – it's just shocking for, for Spurs. Like a team that aspires to be at quote-unquote their caliber should not be doing this. Now and and shout out to David Moyes on the celebration from and Manuel Lanzini on the celebration too a great uh, a wonderful taking off the shirt almost brought almost brought me back to Sergio Aguero's in 2012 but but the joy you know it, it actually brought me back to Stamford Bridge in uh, right. 2000 right. uh, yeah that's hilarious <laughs> good one good one hilarious uh, it, it was it was but continue. Ha. Ha. um no i was gonna say shout out to david moyes his celebration was hilarious he really looked like a child as he should like he was like jumping around getting like 14 centimeters off the ground on each of his little jumps it was great it was wonderful to see but uh you know, props to props to west ham um I think, like I said, I think it's a concerning result from Tottenham, but I think ultimately an own goal for the second goal and then one of the best strikes you'll ever see is the reason why I am less concerned. Not totally, uh, not like without concern, but less concerned than uh, what I saw in Chelsea's 3-3 draw 
against Southampton, who really came and outplayed Chelsea in the second half. I guess in a similar way to Tottenham, where Tottenham dropped off in the second half to West Ham. But I, but I felt in uh, Chelsea and Southampton's game, Southampton truly outplayed Chelsea from large parts of the second half. And I think what is most concerning to me is that there is still in what I believe is a problem in the midfield for Chelsea in terms of a balance and in terms of an ability to actually press very well. And I think a lot of instances in that second half against Southampton, a team that is very well coached. And we've talked a lot about how good of a coach we think Ralph Hasenhuttle is. They are a team that presses very well. And Chelsea had a hard time breaking out of the press. And I think a lot of that comes to the fact that time and time again, uh, I think a lot of Chelsea fans are, are seeing, are hopefully seeing it and hoping that Lampard is also seeing it too. But the duo of N'Golo Conte and Jorginho have a lot of trouble breaking out of a press. And on top of that, Chelsea's press itself, their high press itself, many times getting played through. And you can get played through on a press and nothing wrong with that. We've talked about the risk-reward values of it. But there's a fundamental issue in the way that Chelsea presses, I believe, because it is too easy to bypass the front attackers and find an open man for the opponent. And I think that's what's concerning for me is that the press does not seem coordinated enough. And that is something that hopefully comes with time as new players are added into the system and they become more familiar with where they should be when the ball is to one side or the other. But it is concerning to me that outside of the individual mistakes that led to two of the three goals, at least, right? Two of the, or actually all three of the goals, because if you want to include the first goal, Havertz is trying to play a little bit too much in our own, in the Chelsea end and gets, and gets dispossessed. And immediately Danny Ings is, is um, played through on a one V one with Kepa and in the form that Danny Ings is in and the lack of form that Kepa is in, that's, that was a guaranteed goal. As soon as you saw the ball go into Danny Ings feet, and the second two goals, the second goal, Elias and I have have gone back and forth on who to blame there, but ultimately it's a irre- it's irrelevant or uh, not irrelevant, but ultimately it's, it's individual not. mistakes. It's individual yes. mistakes. Yes. Um, and then the third goal, the third goal is the only one that you might say is not an individual mistake and is just is not good enough defending from a set piece. Um, and at the same time, you know, you're up three two for mo- for the last. 20 minutes of the match, 20 to 30 minutes of the match. And Chelsea are not able to manage the game better. And, and I think a lot of that comes down to, again, the midfield, the balance being slightly off. And I, I feel like a broken record on Twitter about it, but I don't know how much I've talked about it on the podcast, but the, the persistence to play Mason Mount in a position as a winger, and even as a number 10 at times when he's not 
skilled enough. He's not pacey one and not skilled enough in tight areas, at least at this moment in his career to play that in those positions and be as effective as a number 10 or a winger of Chelsea should be. And, and I've been beating the drum. I think he should be playing deeper and, and we'll see if that happens, but Elias, your, to your concerns from this three, uh, three draw. Well, I, I think we should focus on the second goal more than you were giving it kind of credit for, not for the memes because the memes will basically write themselves, but for the fact that I think it, imperf- it perfectly encapsulates where Chelsea mentally are, right? Kurt Zuma plays a poor back pass to Kepa, kind of screwing over Kepa. Kepa misses the ball, is rounded, right? And the ball eventually finds its way into the net. Through that whole time, there were two things, right, that stood out to me. First being Kepa's innate natural reaction, which was poor, quite frankly. So, and we, and we know that's been the case in form. So I do feel for him because I, I, deep down in there, I think there's a good keeper. So that, that's one, right? So overall, mediocre form, right, defensively. Two, the, the lack of awareness and energy in Chelsea's back line, I think, is ultimately going to be the most detrimental thing to their, their Champions League success. Um, both, I mean, literally in the Champions League and in terms of retaining that fourth, uh, fourth place spot. So that, that for me is exactly what happened on Saturday. And I, I just don't know what there, what there is to do about it, right? Lampard has come in and brought in key quality signings. I think we can all agree that Chelsea have had an amazing summer, but he can't get a defensive line to operate cohesively. I mean, if he can't get a defensive line to operate co- cohesively, right, then his signings were basically worthless. I don't want to say completely worthless because it's not the case, but they lose a lot of value inherently. So I, I'm a little more concerned by Chelsea's 3-3 draw because – it is entirely on them that this this game got away. I think Chelsea are the more talented side. I think that they overall should have done better defensively, but that's clearly been a theme throughout this campaign. And I don't necessarily see a way that changes. And and I told Rian this over the summer that Chelsea's priority should be center backs and fullbacks. Their priorities should not be in wingers and in in you know number tens and false nines, because th- there will be a plethora of those, but there are not you know a, a large number of really young talented center backs that are available to Chelsea right now, and, and I think you're seeing the signs of that. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, ultimately, if the back line isn't sorted out. And, and in my opinion, if, if the individual mistakes are not cut out, it's hard to put down on the coach himself, but I've already laid out my, my issues with his, um, with the coaching like separately in, in terms of, you know, the midfield setup and the balance. But ultimately if those mistakes, like what you saw on the second goal, um, where we also have to throw in, if anyone gets a chance to look at a replay of that, I would keep your eyes on Kurt Zuma throughout all of that, who is at best jogging back from his mistake and at worst 
light <laughs> speed walk and his hands are up in the air and like not, and, and, you know, that play kind of goes on and, and if he sprints back, then he's probably in position to make a tackle. I'm not saying he's going to stop the goal, but make a tackle somewhere in there. But um, no, right. It's, it's not going to change. I mean, all that money is for nothing. If the same issues that were happening last season are not cut out because that is the literal basis of taking the next step in year two. If that's not cut out, then it's going to be all for naught and it's going to cost you a Champions League spot. So that's, that's where we are with Chelsea and Tottenham. Uh, You know, it, it looks like, it looks like there's still just some very fundamental issues that, that are not quite easy to fix in terms of mentality wise. Um, But alas, shall we move on Elias to the Arsenal and Manchester city? Yes, let's let's move on to a game that Rian and I watched together uh, with a couple of other friends, and uh, I, I definitely have some thoughts on this. I, I I'm very interested, Rian, to hear your thoughts on where Manchester City are at right now because I don't think that they were at their best at all during this game. But at the same time, I, I kind of think that Arsenal played decently. Like uh, the the result may not reflect that, but I I don't know even necessarily what more Arsenal may have been capable of uh, at this point. I I thought Arsenal had a great game. I don't think Manchester City did. Obviously, the result isn't that way. So, what are your thoughts? I think I I think I agree with you, especially on the levels of Arsenal. Yes, they lost, uh, but it's hard to say that they played poorly, right? Um, look back on that game, and you know, Manchester, Manchester City's goal is a wonderful team goal, like a beautiful team goal, what we come to expect from Manchester City, and it's what we've seen from Arsenal on, on occasions um, since, since Mikel Arteta has, has come in charge. It was um, – the game – was very uh, cagey, I guess, and by design, though. I I think you're right. Arsenal played decently because they went there to stifle Manchester City, and and I think they did that for a lot of the game, and and they they cut out a lot of the spaces, and it was a really good tactical battle too, because there was some interesting stuff with like Cal Walker playing as like kind of the right center back and then Jao Cancelo really tucked in a lot to, to come into the midfield, which is a very pep kind of tactic as, as we saw, especially at Bayern. We saw him do that with um, Philip Lahm and, and David Alaba a lot. Um, the fullbacks tucking in, it's, it's, it was a, it was a really cool game to watch in terms of if you like watching the battles all over the field. Great. And, and I think, that's where a lot of the encouragement is for Arsenal, where a team that one year ago we were, were talking about, they're never going to be able to defend with David Luiz. Um, he started in this game. He, Grant, he played next to Gabriel and, and uh, who had a great game, by the way, that I think, I think that's a great signing. That's been a great signing for Arsenal. Um, but it, this is the team that, um, Mikel Arteta is trying to build right now is a team that's defensively solid and only time will tell if 
that is step one of the process or if that is kind of the process of him as a coach because you know this is still his first job um but the one thing that we know is that he's extremely good at constructing a really good defensive structure and creating really fluid attacking plays and and I I like to joke with Elias a bit that they that are still are a bit catenacho um, football, which is which which uh, <laughs> <laughs> not exactly, but sure. I guess you do definitely joke because it's not not okay. Continue. <laughs> I, yeah, I I, I I joke. I joke the cat that it, I joke about it. Yeah, and, and when I when I joke about it, I, I just mean that in the sense that catenacho has a bad connotation because it's counter football. It's like negative football is, is, is that is, I believe the translation in Italian pretty much is, but there's nothing wrong with it. And I, and I don't think it's fully that at Arsenal, but they're extremely well constructed defensively. And, and that is always seemingly the first, um, the first thing that, that, goes into the strategy for a lot of Arsenal's matches. They're always very, very well drilled defensively, knowing the spaces to cover, especially across the midfield, which is, it's been an issue for Arsenal for years and it's, it's not an issue anymore. So great credit to Mikel Arteta. And then at the same time, he's pro- he's doing as much as he can at, with, with this team, because you wouldn't look at any of their midfielders right now <laughs> except for the one that is being completely iced out and and um, not even in the Premier League or Champions League squad in Mesut Ozil. That's the only creative midfielder, really, that created – or sorry, that can create chances for just about anyone on the pitch. Uh, and so outside of that, there's not much to work with, and he's doing only what he can with the players at hand. And, and similar to – Lampard, similar to um, now you say Carlo Ancelotti, and 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 just similar to the managers that are in the first year or two of their jobs, it's a process, and I still think you have to be really encouraged by the process that you're seeing at Arsenal, um, regardless of the results. Completely agreed. Completely agreed. Yeah, th- this is definitely a, a a working project, and I think one of the the pillars or the the turning points for them was when they signed Thomas Partey from Atletico. Reason being is that I think Arsenal have kind of suffered from this almost meme energy in the past where they just aren't able to capture top talent. Like no one of top caliber talent really has ever wanted to go to Arsenal in the last five years or so. And I think you're going to start to see that shift a little more um, in, in the coming years. So I'm sure Jay will be happy to hear me say that, but um He'll probably say Messi's on his way next, but you know it, it, it. It's encouraging, right? It's really encouraging to see Arsenal kind of on an upward trajectory. Um, of course, that is entirely dependent on them spending well. Which, again, um, yeah, that's that's a whole other story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, like you said, good good things to look forward to with Arsenal. Um, we said Manchester City wasn't their probably wasn't their best game, but I think uh, we have to give some, some credit to the way that Arsenal were set up and the way that they were able to deny a lot of the space to uh, Manchester City. So 
especially with the Van Dyke injury, I mean, City will be happy to pick up three points against Arsenal in that game. So from there, Elias, shall we just take a look around the Premier League from this past weekend? Yeah. So let's let's take a look throughout the rest of the Premier League. I mean, United won, not just in the Premier League, unfortunately, too, but we'll get to that in another day. Um, they did beat Newcastle 4-1. So it was it was a convincing win for them. Um, and any thoughts on United's form? We I feel like we kind of go back and forth with United the most out of all these teams. So They're the most back and forth team there is, really. They're, yeah, <laughs> exactly. It, it seems like every time we are like a week or two away from finally – seeing the headlines that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has been fired. He seems to pick up, I'm just talking about, how about just from today, he seems to pick up a really unlikely victory and a good result and a good performance, as we saw today against PSG, and and a pretty good performance, a, a pretty good, I think, second half against Newcastle. Um, the, the man, it, it'll be impossible to get rid of him. So, and I'm not a Manchester United fan, so I'm, I still stand on it that I, I hope that he stays there as long as possible. And, and I hope Pochettino picks up a job very soon because him going to coach Manchester United should probably scare a fair amount of English Premier League fans. Again, that's dependent on him getting the signings that he wants and, of course, spending money well, which is a big, again, a big. Yeah, yeah actually, yeah. With Manchester United, yeah, yeah. As we saw from this last, this past summer, um, yeah, that is, that is not remotely a given. But, um, no, it's a good result for Manchester United, who, who, in a league that is very up in the air right now, I mean, picking up points wherever you can is, uh, is very necessary, especially for them who, who are sitting in 15th right now after the win against um, Newcastle and they've got Chelsea coming, coming into Old Trafford this Saturday, which, which should be great, which should be just really great. I mean, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, other than the fact that it's seemingly every Premier League game that Chelsea plays against Manchester United, something super weird happens and uh, you end up losing by multiple goals. So when the game was seeming, it was just, it was right there. Yeah. So, so uh, that should be a great game, obviously. And um, elsewhere, we saw Aston Villa, as as uh, John H shouted out earlier, Aston Villa continue their winning ways. Four wins in four, sitting second in the league. This time they, they beat uh, Leicester 1-0 on a late goal from Nigeria's own Ross Barkley. <laughs> Who I I'm so happy for him. I don't I, I hope he kills it this year and, and I hope and and just stays with Aston Villa. And and I, I mean not, not <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean this is a perfect role for him. Like he's the guy he's one of the guys in this team and he's playing with other good players. It, it, this is like a perfect situation for him, I think, and uh he's gonna get a lot of minutes and he'll and he'll get He'll probably he'll stay in the England team. This will be good for him to if he's still trying to if he wants to make the England starting eleven, especially for the Euros. So perfect for him, uh, a perfect start for Aston Villa, who are sitting second and and a team that barely stayed up on the last day of the season um, last year is sitting in a spot where they can feel good about 
potentially a top half finish this season. So um, that's great for Aston Villa. Potentially. The, I, I potentially. But I'm sure they'll be happy Aston with Villa is one of those teams where we might be having a completely different conversation after Christmas, honestly. So very I'm true. Ahead of myself. <laughs> very, very true. Very true. But they made some good signings, especially the Emmy Martinez from, from Arsenal in goal. That's a great signing for them. Um, but things are looking good for Aston Villa. And I think the last notable result from the weekend was yesterday's Wolves uh, beating Leeds United 1-0, especially after a great start to the season still from Leeds, who are sitting in 10th now and on um, sitting in 10th on seven points. A good way to get back on track for Wolves, who their first couple games of the season were tough, were very tough. Um as I have, they, they lost to Man City, then they got hammered by West Ham 4-0. Like, and they, and they've, they've bounced back with a couple wins, albeit one of them was against Fulham. But they <laughs> are back on track. <laughs> but but they, they, are, they are back on track. And, uh, and after this weekend, we're looking at the top four in England. First, Everton on 13 Aston Villa sitting second with 12, Liverpool on 10, and Leicester City sitting in fourth on ninth points, tied with Arsenal on nine. And it's a weird season. And I've said before that someone needs to just give the Premier League a drink of water because it's getting very sloppy out there. And, and they've had one too many vodka crans. It's it's just a drunk season out there in the Premier League. And I hope that at some point, we're able to breathalyze and put them to bed. That, I just hope you know, is the new podcast name for this episode. One too many vodka crayons. I love it. I'm going to go with that. So I, I do agree with you, but I just will say, Raul Jimenez, once again for Wolves, showing up and showing out. So uh, uh, someone that, of course, in my opinion, should be on Atletico Madrid for his striking talent. But again, I'm not making those calls. I'm just... We will speak it to an existence. All right. (laughs) We should. We absolutely should. Um, Raul Jimenez and Poch to Atleti. That's all I want. Too too many good decisions to actually happen. So, yeah, count count that out. But, yes, I I just want to shout him out because the the Mexican legend is doing himself a real favor for for getting that signing to Atletico Madrid in the very near future. So... With that, Rian, I think that wraps up all the results from England this past weekend. Of course, the big game this weekend is, uh, excuse me, Chelsea and Manchester United, but not least, followed by Arsenal and Leicester as well on Sunday. So with that, we'll be keeping you guys up to date with all the Premier League content, more La Liga content to come as well, and even more Champions League content because all that's being squeezed in now after the pandemic has really shifted everything around. So With that, we'll be back soon, and uh, hope you guys enjoy. Thanks, guys.